social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. 24 hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook, and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. It's Coogie. It's 24 hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating 401 732 6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. It is Wednesday, and this is just the beginning of the uh, Governor McKee headache with this payout for Dr. Scott. Just so you understand what happened. You know, there wasn't a great relationship between Governor McKee and Dr. Scott and Tom McCarthy. When the Boston Globe in December reported an internal memo that the McKee administration was warned about COVID. Um, that just exploded the relationship. They were intent on finding the leak. Uh, from what we understand, the McKee people were even going through people's emails. Dr. Scott, Tom McCarthy were highly offended at being accused of leaking the information. Dr. Scott said, that's it. I want out. And she wanted to be bought out. Governor McKee wanted to get rid of her. She said, you have to pay me to leave. So they came up with this agreement where this is going to be very detrimental to Governor McKee is she has the month of February off and then March, April and May, she just has to answer the phone if they call her with a question. And how much is she going to get for March, April and May? $46,000 a month. It's ridiculous. Never mind COVID is going to be long died down into April or May. This is going to stay with the governor. This is going to stay right through June, almost maybe even into July. It's outrageous. You don't pay someone for leaving. And none of it makes sense. She, she was going to leave, so she wanted to negotiate her exit. That, that's not how it normally works. And that this is a buyout. Now, I want to play. This is the Channel 10 story on it. And listen, Governor McKee does not sound that confident. And Blake Filippi, House Minority Leader, I think he hits the nail on the head. Let's hear uh, Brian Crandall of NBC10. Then she's set to make $46,000 a month for March, April, and May as a consultant to the department, as we've already reported, mulling a run for Congress in the meantime. Even Governor Dan McKee thinks the $46,000 a month consulting deal for outgoing health director Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott is a lot. Yes. So then why'd you agree to it? No, I think there's value there, and I think that's what's important. Is that a golden parachute? What do you say to the taxpayers who think that's too much money? Well, uh, the doctor asked, you know, has told me that he she was uh, ready to leave, and uh, she wanted a, an exiting agreement. So we had our attorneys work with their attorneys, and we feel as though that's fair for the taxpayers, and and also reflects the work that Dr. Alexander Scott has done. I just think people are struggling out there, and it's in kind of an insult to the taxpayers of the state. House Republican leader Blake Filippi is among the critics of the payout. Yeah, I'm sure she has worked hard. We've all seen it, and she's been compensated for that. That's what her contract provided. I'm curious why we need a consultant going forward if she's taking the month of February off. Seems that this is a buyout of her contract, so let's just say what it is. Alexander Scott and Deputy Health Director Tom McCarthy, two leaders of Rhode Island's COVID response, both announcing their resignations in the past two weeks in the thick of the Omicron surge. Does that say anything about the situation here? There's been reported tension. Were you not listening to them? What happened? No, I think that, first of all, we leave the country in testing. Ah, uh, now we're back to this foolishness. 
Oh my God! What? Leading the country? Good people leave. Good people leave. McKee says an announcement on a new health department director should be coming soon. I'm Brian Crandall, NBC Listen, this is outrageous. Um, the things exploded within the relationship. Uh, and then both both of them wanted out. They didn't like being accused. He wanted them out. But this is a buyout. This is not a consulting agreement. Brian Crandall also illustrates she's taking the month of February off. If she's leaving and Friday is her final day, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott, head of the Rhode Island Department of Health, the time that they would need her the most would be the month of February, right? Someone leaves the office. Now you have questions. She's off the month of February. Then March, April, May, she's supposed to be uh, available to take a phone call if they have a question. Did she refuse that she would not help with that? She was paid. It's not like she was never paid, you know, and she worked hard. No, 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 wrong. If you want to increase her pay, that's one thing. You don't give this big chunk of money. This is outrageous. And for February, she's also supposed to be getting sit time, comp time. Directors of a department do not get comp time. So that's false. And Governor McKee, this is a, a poorly thought out plan poorly thought out worded plan he he may not i i believe this is so significant that this could disqualify him and it's going to hang over his head all spring into the summer leading up to the september primary rhode island governor dan mckee forever is now going to be linked to this forty six thousand dollars a month dr scott has been making twelve thousand a month as the head of the rhode island department of health now She's not even going to be there. If they have a question, they're going to call her. She would have to answer the phone. Now they're going to pay her 46000 a month, basically, for not working. No one believes it. He is stuck in this talking point that she wanted to leave. He was trying to talk her into staying. If she said she's resigning, then there's nothing to negotiate. Then what are you negotiating? She wanted to negotiate an exit package. Folks, it's nonsense. He's going to regret this. Again, we're going to have a lot more on this, but uh, not only is it a bad look for Governor McKee, I would even say I think it's a, it's, this is a fatal mistake by him and his campaign. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, Budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401 521 remember online at henryoil.com go with the original go with the best it's henry oil john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website which is dipetro.com joining right now he is a columnist for the boston globe it's dan mcgowan and dan mcgowan i think your column today is going to get a lot of generate a lot of buzz. I think it has uh, the all the campaigns buzzing. As a matter of fact, folks, his column in the Boston Globe is uh, Dan McGowan. You lay out a case where you believe General Treasurer Seth Magaziner, although tempted, and although basically you're right at this point, holding everyone else up, he should stay in the race for governor and not jump into the race for CD two. Yeah, John. Uh, already, you know, the column's only been up for an hour or so, and uh, already I'm getting a lot of either pushback or, of course, from from all the people that want to run for Congress or, you know, suddenly telling me that I'm the the, the second coming. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a fairly obvious kind of a case. To Magaziner has spent every day for the last seven plus years as treasurer thinking about what makes him what will make him the governor um and you know look people don't love that but that's that does tend to be how politics works yeah and uh and to his credit there are things that he's done i mean you talk to people within the inner workings of state government and they'll tell you 
yeah, you know, Seth Magaziner, you know, we had an hour meeting with Seth Magaziner where he was asking, you know, really kind of in the weeds questions about, you know, things going on at DLT or elsewhere. Uh, uh, you know, he, he is a relatively thoughtful guy. He wants to, you know, have, he wants to build support, all those things. And suddenly Langevin says, I'm going to, I'm going to retire. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's like, the the last seven years didn't matter and running for governor didn't matter at all because not only do I, I don't think he should run for Congress, but I'm virtually a hundred percent confident. He is in fact going to run for this job. And Dan McGowan, let's, let's just first of all, play out more and more. Um, boy, that Langevin announcement, as much as everyone was praising him, but you hear from a lot of people, if he felt this, why didn't do it a while ago, let alone and should, it's a little bit inside, but he did do it on the the day. I, I think you you know that's supposed to be all the attention for secret for the state of the state with that's right with Governor McKee. But um, w- w- let's just take us through your idea of certainly over the weekend there was obviously unbelievable NFL football, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes with people that were kicking the tires on this. Once Speaker Joe Sakachi announced it was he was not going to run for it. Yeah, I mean, this Jim Langevin's retirement has very much thrown Rhode Island politics into chaos um, yeah. b- because he kept it such a good secret. And, yep. he, and and I think that shows you he he kind of he really went back and forth, didn't know what he wanted to do. Uh, now, you you know, you have this this spot where if you are kind of the institutional Democrats in this state, the other members of the delegation, you know, the, the big wigs, so to speak, you're saying, oh, God, you know, you're kind of leaving us without a, uh, you know, a, a, a clear candidate here. And, you know, you've you've gone from Jim Langevin was not going to lose his seat. Right. He was going to win. Uh, you've gone from that to, you know, everyone's worried about Alan Fung running for for this job. There's going to be a competitive Republican primary, but everyone on the Democratic side is man, Alan Fung might be the favorite at this point. And so. Over the weekend, you had, I mean, you know, my colleague Ed Fitzpatrick and I, I'm sure you were doing this too, I mean, literally worked 48 straight hours, you know, yep. because things were changing, you know, we're trying to watch football and, and, you know, who was putting out a statement and who's running and who's not running. Um, and, you know, what was happening over the weekend was those kind of party big wigs, you know, the, the, the power brokers, uh, you know, right up to from everything I understand, my reporting tells me that, that, that Jeremundo was making phone calls over the weekend. Wow. You know, the commerce secretary of the United States was making calls about a, a second congressional district. Um, and everyone's trying to figure out who is the best candidate, who's the person that can beat Alan Fung. You know, again, Alan's going to have his own primary. If he runs, we assume he will, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about Helena Folks. There's a lot of talk, certainly, about uh, Seth Magaziner. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's all these other candidates and all these people that are still kind of waiting because they're, you know, they say they're going to run and then have somebody like Seth Magaziner come in and say, you know, I've got a million dollars. You need to, you know, you need to fall in line. Mm-hmm. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, what, what, what why do you think Helena folks, uh, by the way, she's also been radio silent on social media since I think on Friday, but what do you, what do you think is, is her desire? What, what, cause her campaign right now is getting, I mean, absolutely no traction at all. Um, but what, what makes you think her pass on this and stay in the race for governor? You know, I think it really comes down to, you know, when, when, when Helena folks says, uh, you know, I never wanted to be in politics or I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't planning this. I think to some degree it's true. I, I don't know if she ever, you know, if she was, if she was thinking I'll never be in politics, but I would say, uh, let's say a year ago, I don't think Helena folks was somebody who was, you know, really itching to run for governor. I think a lot yeah. of folks, particularly uh, kind of from the Gina Raimondo world, yeah. looked at the field and said, and especially as Governor McKee kind of slipped up early on, I think people looked at it and said, oh, God, you know, we need to find a, a strong candidate. All of that is a way to say, I think that a lot of those same folks, lo- uh, people look in this race, look at this race and, you know, 
Helena Folks doesn't help us at all if she's in Congress, right? right. The, 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 the behind the scenes people who, you know, not just want state contracts, all that stuff, and that is all real too, but the people who just said, you know what, I put a lot of effort into convincing her to run, they want her in the governor's office as an executive. And I think, I think she looked at this and said, yeah, I mean, all the people behind me are telling me I'd be a great executive. I don't know if I want to go to Washington, you know, and, and be essentially a backbencher. And I think when you look at the difference between Seth Magaziner and Helena Folks, you know, I, I think a lot of people probably say, look, you're a young man. You know, this, it's not like Congress is a bad job. It's just not the same job. Uh, you know, this puts you potentially on the track down the line to be a U.S. senator, all those things. Uh, this makes more sense for somebody like Magaziner than it does for Helena Folks. And on top of that, Tim McGowan, as we've talked about, I mean, whoever it is, you'd be the junior to David Cicilline. Right. Plus, you're not going to be the party in power. So that's a real ego check where you go from I am, in, you know, the CEO in charge and suddenly, again, she's not even the senior Right. right. You go the, from a you go from in the private sector, a Fortune five company, yes. to to being kind of a backbencher, uh, you know, in Rhode Island. It's it, you know, it, it is not that much fun. I wrote in the column today about Magaziner, but this applies to all of them. Being on the Joint Committee on Printing is not exactly the most charming job in the world. No, no. And Dan McGowan, as you lay out in your column, which there's some great lines there from Mayor Fung had his wedding reception at Twin Oaks and had his honeymoon on Mulligan's Island, which is such a great visual. I can actually picture him in BA, you know, either at the driving range, Mulligan's <laughs> Island, and he would go through the mini golf. But um, the, the thing about that is I just want to stay with Magazina for a moment. A lot of people, I'm going to say, you know, they still may not know him that well, but I, I, I was so blown away when he absolutely in 14, he tore Frank Caprio apart yep. in the debate and think how long ago that was. He's older now. He's even wiser now. Um, a lot of people, you know, low, low profile somewhat. I mean, I know he tries to be out there. People know the name. But he, he is he was ferocious in that debate. And then he is someone that, without question, because of money and connections, he would be a – you know, we're still waiting for him to kind of get in and take off the gloves. But he still would be a force in this race for governor in the primary. Look, you know, you and I talk about this every week. I think we both agree at this point. I think Dan McKee is probably still the favorite as the incumbent governor, but he does something new to give it away every single week. All the time. Yes. <laughs> and, so, and so really it becomes anybody's race. And if you have that money and if you have look, the, the, the level of talent that that I think Seth Magaziner has doesn't mean I think he'd be the greatest governor in the history of the world. But he definitely has all the kind of political acumen, like you said, you know, he's a de he can debate, he's a smart guy when it comes to the finances, all that stuff. He can run a very, very credible campaign. You know, go back to that 2014 race. Remember, you know, that was one of those things where I, I believe, you know, 802 on, on primary night, Frank Caprio is conceding because he knew that they had really had the floor wiped with them. And Frank Caprio is a serious guy. He was a treasurer. Yep. He's, a, you know, a smart guy, great family, all that ran stuff. Ran for governor. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Seth Magaziner you know, ran a, almost a perfect campaign that, that time. Wiped the floor with him. Yeah, and so now, you know, he's a guy who can do that as well. Now, again, you know, it doesn't mean that he's the best. But, uh, you know, now what he's doing is basically – saying, you know, this is maybe this is the easier race to win. I'm not sure that's the greatest message. And I think it's really hurts when you're running again, when you're potentially going to run against somebody like Air Fung, who is not going to have, you know, those kind of battle scars on him the same not way even that, close. That, that, that Magaziner will. And Dan McGowan, as someone that lives in CD2, Magaziner does not live in the district. He lives right. in the east side of Providence. A lot of people in CD2, Providence, when he starts talking about it, it's it's the place they used to go to years ago before they had all the problems at the mall and the violence downtown. And and it's again, I, I think your column lays it out. It, the word becomes entitled and just someone that I'll just I'll just grab this seat and I'll be the congressman, even though I don't live there. Yeah, folks, we're gonna, hold that. Hold that thought. for a moment. We're going to take a quick break, folks. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 
3359. In Rhode Island, propane plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359, and in Rhode Island, 401 401- 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, Dan, a great column on Seth Magaziner. You believe he should stay in the governor's race. It would seem this week he's going to make his final decision or to jump into CD2. Finish the point on, on Magaziner. Yeah, I mean, the big point here, and, and you know, there's going to be a lot of debate in the coming, I think, weeks and months, especially if he gets in this race of, you know, whether or not because he lives in the first you know what what that means and i think you'll see a, a bunch of people kind of come to his defense and you, you'll do the same arguments that were made uh when patrick kennedy ran for congress they'll say boy it's a small state and you could just move over it's not that hard all of those things fine that's a per- per- perfectly fine argument to make the problem is is that alan fung if he's the candidate is gonna say it, you will be able to label him a label magazine or a carpetbagger Yep. And we remember all of this stuff in the past happened pre-social media. It happened, you know, before you could go online and just really kind of attack your opponents. Uh, this is going to be a message that sticks. You you mentioned it. You know, if you I, I too I live in the Providence part that is the second district. You know, you're going down to East Greenwich, going out to Westerly. You know, people are not going to like the idea that this guy from Bristol and the East Side of Providence for the last for all of his life essentially. Um, you know, is suddenly, you know, suddenly wants to represent you. I think uh, Mayor Fung, especially Mayor Fung, will be able to really hammer that home. Um, and it, it's going to be a hard message to get away from. And Dan McGowan, the more I look at, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about the other candidates, but Mayor Fung, what people listening need to understand is this is such a good race for him. Not only, you know, also he was term limited out. He left office. I think he had a 65 or 70 percent approval rating in Cranston. That's a world of difference the way Commerce Secretary Raimondo, although she you know, left early with a term. But most of the time, the people leave and the, their approval numbers are, are way, way down. But Fung, the immigrant, when you look at his uh, 2018, as you know, against Gina Raimondo, one Cranston, one Coventry, one West Warwick, one Johnston. Uh, now, it, you know, Providence is, is kind of neutralized a little bit. You don't have the east side of Providence. And then he also, you know, won some of the outlying towns. He was close in Narragansett, North Kingstown, Warwick. This is such a good race for Kranz, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung. Yeah, it's I mean, it's tailor made for him. I think uh, he, 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 you know, becomes the, the favorite. I know, you know, we could talk about this. Look, he's going to have a real Republican primary and he's going to have to navigate sort of how that works. Look, he has to become comfortable with the fact that he's not going to be the most conservative candidate in a primary. I think, right. to be honest, and I think you would agree, I think the, I think in both his primaries, you know, I think 14 was a little different because Ken Block was not necessarily uh, the more conservative candidate. He was definitely, no. the, he was definitely the more aggressive candidate. Yeah. Um, and I think that rattled Mayor Fung to some degree. And then I think Patty Morgan to some degree uh, uh, you know, rattles uh, Mayor Fung with 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 very much kind of the more conservative message. The thing is, is that go look at the score in both of those primaries. Alan Fung yes. won just fine, uh, and so you know, if you're a Senator De La Cruz, who I think is going to be a really interesting candidate here, uh, you got to be prepared for the the kind of the beating that you're going to take in Cranston and Warwick. Um, and, and it's really hard to overcome those numbers, like you said, Coventry, places like that. That, you know, if Mayor Fung can run up the score there, it's not going to matter, uh, you know, if you get beat 70-30 in Burrowville. Dean McGowan, what do you think of um, State Senator Jessica De La Cruz? Right now, she's another one. She does not live in the district. She lives in North Smithfield. I think she's kind of house hunting. 
and uh, possibly looking to jump into somewhere in the Burville area. But what what do you I mean, I think I've met her a couple of times. I think I've interviewed her a couple of times. I, I I know people think she's the more conservative. I I honestly don't have a full handle on her beliefs. Um, very pleasant, totally different look, you know, 40 years old female. Um, what, what do you think of Senator De La Cruz? Yeah, I mean, John, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew her politics inside okay. and out. Um, what I what I do know is all the things that kind of people say about her, which is, look, she she's aggressive at the state house. Yeah. Uh, she has the ear of you know people. People miss this. You think, oh, Republicans are persona non grata up there. Well, you know, remember in the Senate, you've got a pretty conservative Senate president in Donnie oh. Ruggiero. You know, uh, particularly socially conservative. Um, you know, I think Senator De La Cruz has the ear of people. You know, in leadership up there, it's not like she can get a lot done. I obviously, but people listen to her up there, uh, you know, and, and I think she, I, th- I think she certainly looks the part. I think she's got a great story or I think her husband uh, is like a pastor or something like that. So they're going to have kind of that little uh, angle. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's going to be a, you know, she, she will, she can make a run of this thing. Her challenge is just simply that it's a math issue. And, and uh, you know, I think she's going to, I think she's going to really struggle. I think she had ability to knock you know, Mayor Fung kind of off his game to some degree. It'll be interesting to see how they go about this because I would assume if I'm Mayor Fung, you know, having not announced as the time that you and I are talking, I'd be doing what I can to see if I could get her on the phone, get her as, you know, a top supporter, and then hope to, you know, you know, have her pivot, maybe stay in state Senate for a little while longer and then run for something else down the line. Just the question of who's going to be in her ear telling her, look, this is your time. You have to do it now. And Dan McGowan is, you know, let's also face it. It's people, it it could be the shortened window definitely benefits those that have the higher name recognition. Uh, Bob Lansing, to his credit, he's been running for over a year. He did run last time. Unless I miss something, I don't think he beat Langevin in any city or town, which is different than, I mean, Fung did beat Gina Raimondo was a ferocious campaigner in, in a number of cities and towns. So, I think one of the hurdles for her is just the fact maybe a little bit late to the game. I mean, it's could be overcome, but we're increasingly seeing an unstable world that takes a lot of oxygen, yep. plus the race for governor, plus the race for mayor of Providence. I think a number of these candidates still don't fully understand how difficult it can be to try to get attention on your campaign as the days are dwindling down and you know, you're just not getting the media coverage. That's right. Well, you're first of all, you're you're so right because the the amount of media coverage that these guys are, are all going to get, particularly, let's face it, it's Rhode Island on the Republican primary side. Yep. You know, it's going to be a lot of press releases that doesn't that that don't get picked up on television or you know uh, you know in, or go in the newspaper and things like that. It's a lot of you know back and forth and the way the media and and I'm as guilty as anybody of this. The way we cover uh, Republican primaries in the state are often, you know, it's a little bit of a sideshow and who's, you know, what individual activist is mad at this individual activist. And it becomes very kind of personal and petty. And what, what you get out of that is, you know, oh, there's an intriguing story here, but it's not setting a narrative for the campaign. And I right. think when you're, when you're Alan Fogg, and again, all you have to worry about is the fact that you've already done this a bunch of times you know how to win your backyard, you know how to win Warwick, the numbers just do not work out unless you have you know, a situation where you slip up, unless you do something where you, know, you, you want to maybe uh, really detach yourself from, let's say, President Trump and suddenly lots of you know, Republicans in the district say, wait a minute, we're, we're with the person that supports the pre- you know, President Trump. Some slip up, something like that. But Look, Mayor Fung's a disciplined guy. Again, having having done this before really helps. And on top of that, Patricia Morgan, I think she is, you know, still eyeing this. There could be some other people. And I want the listeners to understand what's so significant. People should not just I know the Democrats are not shrugging this off um, as, oh, well, you know, of course, the Democrats going to win the the Republican Party in Washington. They view this that if the Republican candidate could take CD2, eventually that's someone who could run for the U.S. Senate. Yep. Then you bring another person in that. And Dan McGowan, if the Republicans could get a Republican congressperson and then someone in the Senate, it really completely reshapes the state. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I think I said this to you last week, John. I mean, just imagine the the narrative in in November. If Alan Fung wins the, the, the general election and he's going to Congress, you're going to have the New York Times, the Washington Post, yeah. you know, the Wall Street Journal all descend on Rhode Island and say even Rhode Island went red. That's uh, right. And, and that will be a major, it'll be a big story here. Um, you know, this is a real opportunity. It might be the best opportunity yep. uh, for the Republicans, I think, in the region, quite frankly. Yes. I mean, I think they were all looking at that New Hampshire Senate seat and then the governor up there decided not to run. And so, you know, they're kind of uh, trying to figure that out right now. You have a really great chance to pick up, by the way, at a time where you're, you're you know, Democrats to be favored to win governor of Massachusetts. Uh, it certainly looks like you're going to get a, a Democrat governor here in Rhode Island. So this is a big kind of statement to make, you know, in a part of the country that is so, so blue. And David McGowan, what a lot of people don't recognize is what the Republican Party, and I've talked about this with both Fungs, but for the Republican Party to be able to say they have an Asian-American congressman from Rhode Island, yep. he's tough. You can't say, oh, look, there's... He's a member of a Trumper. He's, you know, some stodgy old white guy Republican. I think of Mike Riley when he gave that bitter concession speech. Mayor Fung is not that. This would be, he would be, you know, kind of like the new Republican Party that not only maybe reaches out and gets Latino members, but also members of the Asian community. That's right. And, and when you're somebody who, I mean, this is something that, that it took a long time, but what David Cicilline has learned from be, from being in Congress as a former mayor is he's because he's very good at kind of connecting with you know your average person and, and, and you know he loves to be at events in Rhode Island things like that but he, he's good at this uh, kind of on the national stage it's the mayoral you know history that gives him that kind of experience and talent Alan Fung's got the same exact thing Alan Fung you know is somebody who you could put him on the Sunday shows. You yep. can, you know, you can make the case. You could see him in, in theory, you know, giving the, the Republican, you know, response to uh, to, to the State yes. of the Union address yes. at some point. You know, I mean, you yeah. really could see a, a guy who connects with people who's not, you know, he, he doesn't overthink. He's not too serious. No. Um, but but he's but he's intelligent and, and, and coherent. I mean, the sky is the if Alan Fung wants this, and let's be really clear, I mean, you mentioned this, and it is so, it is incredibly true. I think every Democrat in Rhode Island today thinks Alan Fung is the favorite for this seat. I don't think yeah. they think it's a lock. I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's why you're having these conversations about, you know, big time players on the Democratic side, because I think they're all scared that Alan Fung is, is the favorite in this race. And they fear that, that he would, they fear that he would be the, the candidate yep. because he does have that. Uh, folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident? Someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone Call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They are located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. Into Brood Awakenings and discovered the Brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, their local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delic delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the Brood difference 
at Brood Awakenings. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I do want to touch on your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick, has a great piece, folks. It's must read. And I remember when it happened, and that was Congressman Cicilline, his first two years after he got into Washington, left Providence, Angel Tavares, we were expecting a Category 3, it was a Category 5, low approval ratings, thought he was very beatable. Brendan Darty jumps into the race, but in 2012, with the help of then-speaker Gordon Fox, they uh, ch- changed the districts, gerrymandering, and they gave Cicilline more of Providence that he wanted to ensure that he would win, because that's when you're most vulnerable, your first time up for re-election. What they've done, though, is really opened the door in CD2 for a Republican to take that seat. Yeah, and if you remember, uh, one of the few times that you've seen real public kind of disagreement between yep. the delegation, because Jim Langevin was publicly critical of uh, David Cicilline for doing for, for for exactly what you just described, they gerrymandered the district so it would, you know, really uh, serve to benefit him. Um, and I'll tell you, you talk to people who were who were close to that campaign uh, a decade ago now, they'll tell you the the thing that got them back on track. It started with redistricting. That's they right. w- once they knew they had you know more of Providence and less of Burville. They, they were able to be uh, really excited and they were able to energize their base. Uh, you know, that, that mayor Cicilline for so many years was able to engage. Uh, and then they got a bunch of breaks. You had a bad candidate, Anthony Gemma and Brendan Darty didn't turn out to be a fantastic candidate either, no. but it all starts with a gerrymandered district. And yeah, now you have this, this challenge of rather than being, you know, a, a, a district that is, you know, strongly democratic, you know, uh, the way they talk about it in, in DC is, you know, an eight point winner, 10 point winner, uh, uh, you know, in, in a district for the Democrats. Now you have a much tighter district. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's real concern about, again, the, the, the ability for somebody like Amer Fung to be able to come in and win this thing. Now, I should say a lot of the national pundits who really pay super close attention to the way things break down in, in, in voting. Most people agree. This is still, a, you know, it's still Rhode Island, right? There's still, there's still a, the, the yep. Democrats are, are, you know, have a real stronghold here, but this is an opportunity. And part of that opportunity is because the, of the Cicilline gerrymander 10 years ago. Folks, again, we'll speak with Dan McGowan, McGowan of the Boston Globe and Dan, I want to go back to, how much impact do you think it had, the relationship between Governor McKee, Dr. Scott, and also Tom McCarthy, when your colleague, Brian Amaral, published a story with an internal document that showed that Governor McKee had warning right around before Thanksgiving that the variant was increasing? What kind of impact do you now think that had on the relationship between those three people? Well, you know, John, I think I, I have to almost, uh, uh, you know, essentially retract or, or apologize to you uh, because I think two or three weeks ago I said, you know, I don't think there was really a last straw. Uh, that's not my sense of this. I think it's clear. It's becoming crystal clear that that um, that leak, wherever it came from, and let's assume it was the Department of Health, uh, just because it was Department of Health data, um, was very much a a last uh, a last straw in, in ways. And I think what it triggered in the governor's office at first was, you know, they went really aggressive on who leaked. And I know they they did an internal, I don't know if you'd call it an investigation, but they were searching people's emails. They wanted to know where this came from. Mm-hmm. And I and, and I think what that meant, you know, whether it whether it was the last straw, you know, officially of of you gotta go or I'm quitting, I think what it meant on the health department side was I think Director Scott and I think to some degree Tom McCarthy, the deputy director, both looked at this and said, you know, the, we, we don't love the idea that we're being accused uh, of right. this. And so now you have another reason to not like the governor, which they didn't already. Um, and, and I think that I think it really kind of helped move things along. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I said this to you last week. You don't typically give two weeks for a job like director of health. No. Um, and, and that is basically what she did. And now we know, she's, she's, you know, she had signed a $46,000 a month contract, which, you know, we have, we, this seeps into that, that congressional district race. You know, I think she wants to, or at least is seriously considering 
entering the race, a $46,000 a month contract. I, I don't know that it disqualifies her, but boy, Seth Magaziner must be thrilled yes. that, that that story is out there right now. The Dan McGowan, folks, is a story in the Boston Globe. And again, Dan's colleague, Brian Amaral, has the story. Dan McGowan, I, I just none of there's a pattern with Governor McKee where something kind of goes astray. And then they come up with, you know, it's 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 the bonuses for the teachers. It's the bonuses for the state workers, it, you know, to get vaccinated. It becomes this rolling fluid talking points. His latest now. I'm sorry. It just it doesn't make sense to anyone. I'm hearing from business people. The way of, unless I'm misunderstanding this, she's basically getting the month of February off and then March, April, May, she has to be like available by phone if they call, if they call her and she's going to be paid 46000 a month. I, I'm sorry. None of this makes sense. If someone goes to resign and you say, I'd like to talk you out of it. I don't want you to leave. No. Two week notice. OK. And on top of that, even though you're getting 12000 a month to run the department. Now we're going to pay you 46000 a month just in case we need to call you on the phone. Yeah, well, here, here's what it screams. It screams, I want you out so bad that yeah. I'm willing to pay you, you know, 130000 plus dollars, you know, in, in three months to make that happen. Look, yes. you know, for, for me, uh, as you know, my sort of background experience is, is in covering the city of Providence. And for years, you'd get, whether it was Angel Tavares, David Zizlini, or now Jorge Lorza, you know, you'd get a, a situation where some person they didn't want, let's say a director, I don't know, the human yeah. resources director, something like that. They want them out. They pull them into an office and they say, you know what? We think we have enough to actually just fire you. But uh, to, to so, so that you don't go and call Dan McGowan or somebody else, um, you know, we're going to we're going to help you out here. We're going to pay for your health insurance. We're going to give you a nice severance package, something like that. And then everybody goes on their way. And, you know, I have to find about it in a different way. I mean, that is essentially what 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 happened here. And I think it's left a lot of people scratching their heads. I think you're right. Um, it, it, it certainly doesn't look good. And you're going to hear a lot of people kind of rush to Nicole Alexander Scott's defense and say, look, she wasn't paid very much. All of those things. God bless her for getting her money. Right. She's allowed to do that. The problem is, is that there's there's what she's allowed to do and then what the public perception is going to be um and 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 to your point on governor mckee i mean this is another example of it it's almost as though when they're you know in her room uh, behind the scenes trying to figure out you know what's the question that john DePetro is going to ask at today's press conference or you know what's going to happen today how is this going to play they almost always get it wrong they, they, they just, they do not see the board, the chessboard, no. so to speak, the way other administrations have. And this is another one where, you know, they're, they were not prepared for, uh, I think, for pushback like this. Uh, you know, I had people early in the week when, when I think it was Channel 12 that first broke the story, yeah. uh, people were saying, oh, well, this is, this is their way of kind of uh, giving a middle finger to Dr. Scott. And I said, I don't know, if that was their move, they do not realize it ultimately it's it's the governor who makes yeah it lands on him his <laughs> oh, the governor yeah. mckee's explanation dan mcgowan she said she wouldn't resign he tried to wanted her to stay she refused and then they start negotiating with the lawyers that that right in it in an essence the, when the moment she said she was resigning the negotiation was over so right. his talking points on that it doesn't make any sense and also public record requests all right at the end of march Let's see how much work she did, how many times they had to call her, what she had to do to earn the money for that month. This story is going to play itself out to early June. Yeah, for months. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And that's fair base. Okay, it's May. Now it's June. What what did she do the month of May? And by the way, the virus is now winding down as we're going to be hitting the spring. That's right. What did she do to earn that 46,000? Dan McGowan, this sure sounds like. That Governor McKee wanted her out, but he didn't want to fire her. Now it becomes, all right, as you say, and in the movie Moneyball, right? David Justice, Steinbrenner thought so much of justice, he was willing to pay half your salary to get rid of you. <laughs> it's one thing in sports when that goes on. 46000 number one, I think it hurts him. And number two, I don't see how someone is running for Congress when they're getting 46000 a month from the state. And she doesn't even have to go into the office. She just has to, like, answer a phone call. 
Exactly. Well, and by the way, imagine if she's running for Congress and she's she's forced to answer, you know, questions about her role there and yes. she's still getting paid. Uh, you know, yep. I mean, it, I, I think it, it becomes very difficult for her. Um, if, not, I, if not impossible. Po- potentially impossible. I, right. I agree. And, you know, here's the thing about the, the, the reason it's such a problem for Governor McKee. What, what, what opponents love more than anything when they're running in a competitive race is they love the negative story that speaks for itself, yes. right? If you're Helena folks, you're not going to come out and criticize Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, not at right. all. You're, but you're just going to let it breathe and let the press, you know, do its work and let the public and let, you know, let people and then no harm, no foul on your end. And everybody's just judging the governor. That's the beauty of a story like this for, you know, for Helena folks, for a Nellie Gorbea, yeah. um, you know, and easy to understand, easy to, to understand right, $46,000 a month. Is, Holy it, cow. Anybody can understand that. That's exactly right. And Dave McGowan, Governor McKee's talking point of its good value. He, that that's not well thought out. That's what you say when you're giving someone a raise. That's right. what you say when, right. You're luring someone into the camp. Not as the golden parachute when they're leaving. I also also think again they're short sighted. What kind of precedent does this send? Uh, we saw that with the the bonus to the Providence teachers. How come Tom McCarthy isn't getting this money? We heard how valuable he was. There's there's nothing about this to me that makes sense. I want to hear him explain this in front of the business community. Can you imagine a business person? Uh, you wouldn't go higher than twelve thousand a month. You'd say we're going to give you. 6000 a month over the next few months, but you don't have to come in and maybe we might call you to help out. That's right. Right. Well, and I'll remind you something else. You know, one of the things that, uh, as you know, uh, Governor McKee and his team can be very sensitive. They think they're treated differently than Gina yeah. was. Yeah. I'll go back. Every time Gina had a consultant and the story made the paper, people freaked out. And that's true. Right. Yeah. Rhode Island College, you know, uh, consulting firm getting $70,000. I think it was a week or something like that. You know, all kinds of things like that. And they These things always get uh, criticism and he's going to face the same criticism now and he's going to write it off as, oh, you're just being unfair to me, but it's going to dog him. You're right. It seeps into a time it when, does. you know, there's a moment, there's a real scenario where we're talking about, you know, what, let's say April or May, where there, we're down to 25 cases a day and somebody's making $46,000 a month. It, it, yeah, it's going to be like 2000 a case. That's right. It, and Dave McGowan, one thing about Dr. Scott, um, again, uh, she's popular and, and in a Democrat primary, no one would criticize her. When you get outside of that, there's a yep. lot of business people that didn't like the way the state was handled with uh, some of the, the lockdown or the provisions. A lot of parents don't like the mass in the school. I think if she did enter the race, once she gets out of her area and really starts to go into different parts of the state, I think she'd she'd find less of a friendly reception. Favorite favorite in a Democratic primary and significant underdog against against whoever the Republican is. Whoever it is. I also just want to quickly touch on Seth Magazina, the general treasurer, does not live in the district. And I know by law you don't have to, but I would argue – Rhode Island has, as far as I can find, they never elected someone to Congress who didn't live in the district. Bob Wagan, people may remember, moved to North Kingstown to yep. run. As did Patrick Kennedy. After Patrick, well, that was yep. the um, Jack Reed seat. Yep. So Kennedy uh, took the Ron Makeley seat. Ray- Makeley lived in the district. Yeah. Kennedy lived in the district. But you, what, Reed, what Reed I was going to say, Congress. That's yeah. right. What I was going to say was Kennedy uh, when he when Kennedy ori- originally ran, and I just know this not because I was here, but because I I literally was just reading about it this morning. Uh, Kennedy had the same criticism of you don't because he represented a part of uh, when he was a, when oh, he was a state okay. rep in yeah. Providence. He represented a part of the district that was that was in both. Uh, was in both congressional districts, and he did, in fact, move you know down the street essentially because he wanted to say that he lived in the congressional district. There is, I think you're right. I, I don't know if we could say there's no precedent for it, but it is. You'd have to go way back to find this. Good. No, Fernand Saint, you know Saint Germain obviously lived in the district, yeah. and then uh, Langevin and Cicilline they lived in the district. Patrick Kennedy, there was that famous Rhode Island story when he was going to run. For Congress against Jack Skeffington, his famous appearance on the Buddy Sandy show was Afternoon Drive on uh, HJJ. And and Kennedy, as people were calling up 
they were finding out that uh, he didn't know a lot of the streets in the district <laughs> where he was going to run against Skeff. And then I think initially he even bought a house in Providence that was outside, wasn't even in the district to get running against Skeffington. But he is. Do you know, I, I think this is true, and I, yeah. I, I hate to say something that, I, that I, uh, I'm that i not 100% sure of, but I'm pretty sure it's right. I believe in the small irony of Rhode Island politics, Patrick Kennedy bought a house that Angel Taveras later bought. Yes, yeah, I went. I think you did. It's right near PC. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I went to the Taveras Christmas party that he had at the house. Um, folks, again, I start the day. Oh, w- one more thing about Magazina, uh, Dan McGowan, is... Um, People should not underestimate him. He he's not full full blast right now in the in the race for governor. He could pivot. Uh, whatever race he decides, pe- people should realize he he will be a force. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing. Yep. Here, you know, while I do not think, and it's my opinion, that he should not run for Congress. If he does, he will be the Democratic nominee. He'll have millions of dollars. He'll have the Clintons behind him. And Alan Fung will have a very difficult race. If I keep saying Alan Fung. The Republican will have a, a very difficult race. Um, but it, it is not a shoe in for the Democrat by any means. Folks, again, each day I start the day, I go through each item of roadmap. It's free. It lands right in my inbox it tells me, here's what's going on. Here are some stories you may want to read. There's always a scoop in there and breaking news. And Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to extend it to everyone that's listening. Yeah, and if you're out there, this is not a heady read, right? I'm not asking you to you know, pick up the New York Times and spend two hours with me. Five minutes every morning before you know, 8.30 a.m., 8 a.m., uh, you're, you're getting scoops, you're getting analysis, you're getting all the stories. We have a great link uh, to a story about David Ortiz and all the home runs he hit, literally analyzing every single one of his home runs, uh, you know, in, in 558 in his Hall of Fame career. So lots of fun stuff there. And it's very simple. Just send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com. You don't have to do anything except type rinews at globe.com and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, John. Have a good day. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401 401- 6880517 get a dumpster in your driveway maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage unwanted belongings maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out clean it out with brothers disposal they're also now offering weekly trash collection services call brother roland today at brothers disposal 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. The John DePietro Show brought to you by Realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today, 401 401- Four seven four fifty two fifty three. There's a link right directly to her on the website, dipetro.com. Caldwell Banker Realty, based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Pat services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Contact Pat Elston today, 401-474-5253, and you can find her right on the website, dipetro.com.